Light beer, dark money. Agree on something. Politics, culture, and the intersection of faith, freedom, and free enterprise. And now, live from the Star Worldwide Network Studios, here are your hosts, Light Beer, Chris Clements, and Dark Money, Sean Noble. Welcome back to another episode of Light Beer, Dark Money. I'm Sean Noble. And I'm Chris Clements. Hi, Sean. How was your Thanksgiving? You know, it was interesting. We went down to the uh, the old Pueblo, yeah. the Dirty Tea. Right. And uh, I realized very quickly why I live in Phoenix now. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I'm not a huge fan of Tucson. Sorry, well, guys. Sorry, I don't Tucson. Wanna, I don't want to bag on Tucson because the University of Arizona did beat the ASU Sun Devils that weekend. Yeah. And uh, not in decisive fashion by any stretch, barely. But... Um, you know, it. You just have to think that to what Tucson could be because it's so beautiful, the the natural surroundings. And we stayed at uh, Hacienda del Sol, and it was great. And that's a nice area. It's a, you know amazing place. But then you get down into the weeds. You go down past the River Road, <laughs> <The weeds. laughs> and you and you would think that with with as much business, which is much they want to grow now that they would clean up the town, that they would just put effort into that. And it just hasn't happened. No, it's, it's sad. Mm-hmm. And it makes me, um, and then to hear business leaders who I was, was able to interact with on Thanksgiving day, several of them just be lamenting about that. They feel like it's getting worse. They feel like crime's getting worse. The blight's getting worse. Everything's getting worse. Yeah. And, and then we, you know, we live here in Phoenix and it, I would say things are, are getting Better overall from an economic development standpoint, but from an election standpoint, we might not be as happy. Yeah, you know, we were wrong. You like that segue? Yeah, that was a good segue. Yeah, we were wrong on a lot of things. Now, we were right. I think the only thing I got right was that we were going to have a 6-3 delegation, Republican delegation, which which happened. We did not get as many legislative uh, seats as I had anticipated. We didn't get as many House seats in the in U.S. Congress, as I had anticipated. No. We did not win the Senate. No. As I had thought we would. In fact, I don't think we're going to, I don't think we're going to win Georgia. I don't think the Republicans. No, I, 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 I kind of feel done. like that's, uh, yeah, that's. I think that's done. It, the, the in- interesting thing to watch will be, and, and the next episode we have, we're going to have Rich Tao on. Mm-hmm. And he, is going to tell us, talk to us about Georgia yeah. because he did a focus group right after the election. Well, and he called Pennsylvania almost yeah. completely. <clears throat> I mean, he, yeah, we'll, he's going to be able to educate us a lot. Well, we're going to be eating crow the next couple podcasts. We're going yes. to have Rich Tao on. Uh, and Simon. And then we're going to have Simon Rosenberg from NDN on. He's going to really tell us how wrong we were. Yeah, because he, he was the one who was saying there was no red wave, and I was saying, no, there is. And... Uh, yeah, he, he gets to come on and gloat, and that's and that's the fun of politics. I mean, listen, it's it's a game, it's a contact sport, and you're you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. Dynamics change, especially like we've talked about the last two weeks of the election, and certainly we saw that in in the election results. Dynamics mm-hmm. definitely change. Independents, uh, for the most part, voted independently, and you saw that in, in the results well, in Arizona. Yeah, and and what they did is they acted. Um, they did act independently. Oh, my gosh. I mean, if you look at polling, a lot of people 
are going to have, you know, continue to have discussions about polling. I think, you know, for whatever reason, polling actually tended to, you know, over inflate the Republican performance. Um, and I think at the end of the day, candidates matter. Yeah. I mean, that's ultimately what happened was that the candidates that it, and the best example I can use is when people say, Oh, Arizona has gone blue. No, no, it hasn't. Because if you look at what I would consider kind of the baseline Republican performance, it's Kimberly Eve for state treasurer. Yeah. You've said that before. She, she didn't, she wasn't MAGA. She wasn't a Trumpite. She just ran a traditional Republican campaign and there wasn't a lot of profile on it. It wasn't a very, you know, there was, there wasn't a lot of noise about the campaign. It was pretty much just like, okay, she's got an R by her name. She got 56% of the vote. Yeah. Well, I mean, and we, we talked about this before to, about, about the idea of competence, right? Yeah. And, I mean, and you compare she's that. She's proven herself to be competent. Well, and it's, 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 there was a, there was a factor that if you were a Trumpy, you, you know, they're just a subset of Republicans and independents that voted against you. Well, the the last stat that I saw re- with regard to Carrie Lake was like nine to ten percent of Republicans did not vote for her. Right, and you had a huge swath of the business community absolutely not support her at all. Mm-hmm. And those numbers that that became apparent those last two weeks of the election. And I had several discussions, and I didn't talk about it openly on this show. With people who had run and in the primaries and other people within the business community, and nobody was coming out for her because she had actually said some derogatory things, you know, against McCain Republicans. Yes, you know, and then and then against the business community, saying that she didn't need Doug Ducey's people. Yeah, and and there were, there were a couple just really rookie mistakes. It, it, I'm not, I don't want to pick on Carrie, but that were made in those last two weeks and specifically in that, that campaign. She was leading for most of, of the race after the primary season. She probably was the better candidate overall versus Katie Hobbs, but she made some errors within those last two weeks. It just showed how inexperienced she was in terms of reaching out to the broader electorate. Well, she just, she just got into the echo chamber of thinking that if I hold rallies, you know, with a lot Steve of Bannon and Charlie yeah, Kirk two that, weeks before the election. No, the weekend before. Well, the weekend, but, but, but it's in that window. Yeah. And in that window, like we've talked about before, you really need to focus on those independent voters. Well, you need to t- focus on broadening your base and not, it, out of the echo chamber. And if you don't have what I've called the three-legged stool of conservative politics, and it's what this show is based on, faith, freedom, free enterprise. You need to get those faith voters to turn out who are really concerned about where the country's going from, from just a traditional family values perspective. And those, and that includes Christians, you know, Jews, Muslims, whomever, um, the freedom people, she had the freedom people, you know, you have to get the activist class to turn out. But the last part that she was missing was the free enterprise, free enterprise piece. Mm-hmm. And the the chamber kind of sat out of that race, you know. I, other groups were were told not to participate, you know, sort of well, by the she, campaign, and and that's the piece that you need to to get you over the hump. Yeah, she, I mean, she ran a campaign of exclusion, not inclusion. 
No. She that, was basically that's a, saying, that's a perfect way of saying she it. was basically saying if you're a McCain supporter, I don't want your I don't want your vote, which is nuts, which is crazy, which is nuts. Um, I mean, and we we can all have, go back and forth about issues with John McCain and and whatever, but one thing about the McCain voter that was very you know you had really committed Republicans pro pro military pro national defense Republicans. And then you had a lot of conservative Democrats who voted for McCain, no matter what. Yeah, all the time. And right. you could have brought those people up. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it just seemed crazy to me that that there was so much of an exclusionary message. Um, I mean, Ronald Reagan was a great president, but he was a great communicator, great message guy. But he was one who always viewed half a loaf is better than no loaf. Well, he in the, the sense the that Reagan eighty twenty we'll, rule, yeah, the eighty twenty rule. If I if we agree with each other on eighty percent of the stuff, I'm not going to worry about the twenty yeah. percent. If I because can get it's it, more than the hundred percent, I'm going to disagree with the Democrat. If I can get eighty percent of what I want on a piece of legislation, don't don't try to thread the needle with the other twenty. Right, and that's the same with 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 campaigning. I mean, campaign to the broadest audience you can, and you know, I, so this was this was a loss by Carrie Lake, not a win by Katie Hobbs. Yeah, I I agree. Um, and you know, as we sit today, Maricopa County is certified. I think all the counties except for a couple, maybe Cochise has. Cochise is still an um, issue, and uh, you know, there's going to be legal challenges. Um, Hamaday. Filed a lawsuit. It got thrown out because it was too soon. You can only do that after the certification. And so I'm Carrie Lake will sue about the chaos that was ensued on election day. What's your, Uh, what's your viewpoint on that? Yeah, I, I think we have to go back to. Obviously it's not going to change anything. No. Um, I, I think we need to go back to precinct based voting um, rather than vote center voting, because I think, you know, it just, it creates too many potential problems. Yeah. I also think that we need to stop the, we need to follow Florida's example and on early ballots have to be, you know, have to arrive like the Friday by 7 PM before election day, uh, to be counted because the drop off of the ballots on election day is why we it yeah. takes so long to get these thing, these results uh, completed. Just need to well, the other thing that Florida in. does too is they they start counting immediately. They don't wait till all the you know the ballots are flowing in. They begin counting. Yeah, once, they count as they go. As they go, yeah. and so when so on but election think, day they're I able to report their results immediately. I think we do that here. I don't think so, but you might be right. It must. We must do something because we we the first ballot drop. I mean, the first results we see at eight o'clock on election night was ballots that were sent in and received by you know Friday or whatever. So I think that that's that we need some election reform for sure. Interestingly, um, voters narrowly defeated the requirement to uh, have voter ID for mail-in ballots. In, in fact, the and margin that's, that's going to come back. The margin on that. Is is basically the same as the margin. The margin of loss on that is the same as the margin of loss on Carrie Lake seventeen thousand votes. Hmm. 
Um, so as we said, isn't it amazing? She lost by 17,000 votes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The exclusion, it's, I mean, it, 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 the, the campaign of exclusion just didn't, didn't work out. Well, what she's going to be, you know, proclaiming or claiming at, at this point is, is the idea that, you know, people were disenfranchised because they weren't able to vote on election day. And that equates to however many thousands that she thinks that, that might be. Look, everybody had a chance to vote. They may have not liked the way that it worked out. I mean, my own daughter went and, you know, had the problem with the ballot not being tabulated, and she put her ballot in the door three. You know, that's yeah. that's the process. Yeah, and eventually you know. got counted. Yeah, and uh, so you know they're going to battle this out league on the on the legal front. Um, it's not going to change the results. The only one that we really where there could be a potential change is in this. Uh, uh, AG's race because mm-hmm. there's only 510 votes that separate. You don't want to talk about that's the closest statewide race I think we've ever had in history of Arizona. 510 votes, yeah, out of more than two million cast. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, some stuff about this election that was I find interesting is that there are so so I have been for the last few years been watching carefully the dynamic of people who vote a ballot but leave races unvoted hmm. like in 2016 there were 90,000 people in Arizona that voted a ballot that left the president line blank 90,000 and then 2020 it was 60,000 that did that I'm, I'm sure more leave the uh, judges line blank oh yeah <laughs> But, but, you know, you talk about the president. Yeah. I mean, that's No, I get what you're saying. Amazing. So in the governor's race, there were more than 30,000 people who left their line, that line blank. Well, there you yeah. go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Problem for Kerry. So those yeah. are people who, who... Who are like, I don't like either one of them. were probably right-leaning and said, I just, I, I can't vote for Hobbs, but I can't vote for Lake, so I'm just going to sit this one out. Yeah, I... I, I know thing. some of the, the, sadly, sadly, I know some of those people. Yeah. So uh, I know a lot of those people. Those, some of those people might be in my, my household because, <laughs> because it, the, neither one of those women were resonating in my household. Yeah. And, so and then in the Senate race, now this wouldn't make the difference in the, in the outcome, um, but the Senate race, there were 73,000 people who abstained, abstained from voting in the Senate race, yeah. which is remarkable. That is, that is incredible. That's a huge number. Well, we, I mean, we know that Blake Masters now, now, now that everyone's, you know, unpeeling everything that, that he just was not a compelling candidate. He was very, very green. Oh, he was compelling. <laughs> he was compelling, compelling people against people him. Off. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of getting people to vote for him, uh, he didn't give a lot of people a reason to vote for him. It was all about, about Mark Kelly and why you should vote against well, Mark Kelly. Yeah. The, the problem. And, and then. And then what, what Blake said during the primary and before just came up to. You know, well, the, those the are butt. the things. The things that he had said, you know, and written about and made videos about yeah. prior, you know, prior to his running. Then some of the early stuff he did in the, in the election campaign came back to bite him. The, 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 prop, the part of what Republicans uh, need to figure out, and this is at a national level, is in a state like Arizona where we have a fairly late primary. Yeah. Uh, if you've got a, a Democrat who does not have a primary opponent, 
like Mark Kelly didn't. It's kind of up to the national committees and the, and the, the people who do the outside spending to come in and do some, some negative defining of the Democrat prior to the Republicans figuring out who their nominee is. Because once the Republicans have gone through the battle of, of that, then they're already behind the eight ball. I mean, Kelly was able to spend yeah. 18 months, you know, propping himself up. And the moment that Masters got the nomination, and even before, I think Kelly might have come out hitting Masters even before the, the primary because he anticipated he'd win. You know, he came, you know, Masters comes out of the primary and he's just getting hammered. Oh, completely. Um, and there's no, there's no defense because he's spent all his money in the primary and the outside guys didn't see it as a possibility. And, you know, apparently, according to Stephen Law uh, at American Crossroads uh, and the head of the Senate Conservative Fund, they, the focus group data on masters was the he was the lowest performing oh <laughs> Senate yeah candidate they'd ever seen yeah. even worse than roy moore yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's what that's why that none of that money came in they 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 saw early on that it would be a waste of money and yeah. it turned out to be right so we'll wait and see with the so there will oh, be a recount I, I, on, let's let's talk about one one other race and that's our good friend david schweiker yeah he won barely <laughs> It was close. <laughs> so what's your assessment there? Um, well, I, I mean, it was a, the redistricting made the, the, that much more, much more competitive. And uh, there was probably some downstream effect of uh, the people who didn't like what Carrie Lake and Blake Masters were selling on the big Trump stuff. And even though David didn't lead on lead with the Trump stuff. Uh, he was endorsed by Trump. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He had some outside groups that were pushing that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens next cycle, uh, when it's presidential election year, turnout's going to be bigger. That's the other thing that that's interesting about this turnout was, you know, I anticipated turnout was going to be higher than 2018, but that wasn't the case. It was 2% lower. It was a sixty-two and a half percent, not sixty-four and a half percent. Like yeah, it was that had a ma in two thousand eighteen. You think that all the all the talk of a red wave, all the hubris around that, kind of depressed the Republican vote? Uh, I don't a little know. bit. I I think what depressed the Republican vote was that we had crappy candidates talking yeah. about election denying. That yeah. I mean, looking towards people the past just were just tired of it. being aspirational. Yeah, I mean, they're just the they're just they're like. A, and, and people, you know, they say, oh, people were disenfranchised because the news reports were talking about these problems at the polling places. Well, you know what? If you haven't gotten somebody motivated enough to say, yeah, I'm willing to go stand in line, that's, that's on you. Or motivated enough to request an early, early ballot yeah, and send right. it in early. Well, the interesting thing about the, the Schweikert race is that I, and I, I texted you this, I ran into his opponent. At, yeah. a, at a different at a dinner party, Jevin Hodge, super nice guy. I'm sure he and, is, and he's agreed to come on the podcast. Oh, there you go. So we might have uh, might have some fun with that. Yeah, in the new year. 
That'd be good. Get his perspective on, you know, he, he, took, I mean, it to, he, he took it to the map. He came close. Came very, very close. I mean, within 3,000, 3,100 votes. 3, came very, votes. very close. It'd be interesting to, to hear his perspective. Yeah, so um, so the delegation goes from 5-4 Democrat to 6-3 Republican. Which is the best news of yeah, the, that mean, was, as a conservative, the best great. news. And Juan Siscomani won. Yeah. And uh, he's going to do an amazing job for... Now, we were joking about Tucson before, but that's one of the bright spots that I think in terms of the issues that are, that are happening down there. He's yeah. going to be able to try to tackle as a congressman. And, and and try to offer a balancing viewpoint to you know the the socialist the <laughs> right. the overriding socialist viewpoint in, yeah. in the old pueblo. Well, and it'll be interesting. So Between we've got Grijalva, and we've got a Republican. Yeah, we've got a Republican legislature. It's now it's again thirty one and sixteen. Thirty one Republicans in the House and sixteen in the Senate. And how do you think uh, that plays out in the uh, in the new year? I, with, I mean, with, with the, the Democratic governor. governor um, just, you know, good old fashioned gridlock, good old fashioned gridlock, just like it's going to be in D.C. with Democrat president, Republican House with a very narrow majority and a Senate that's basically tied. And maybe it'll be 51 49. Maybe it'll be 50 50. I don't know. Yeah. The question we'll, we'll know is, by next week. Yeah. And the question and we'll we'll pose this question to Rich next week or in the next episode. Um, if. Somehow Herschel Walker wins Georgia, and it is 50-50. What does Joe Manchin do? Because he's up for re-election next cycle. Well, you have, a, you have a, quite a few up for re-election next cycle Yeah, that, are, that but, are looking at the polling data, regardless. But there's none of the other Democrats are in any, I think, of remotely possible would they switch. I And I'm not sure that Manchin would switch to Republican. Um, but... He's not likely to get West reelected. West Virginia is a very, very Republican yeah, state. He's not likely to get reelected at yeah. this point. Well, I don't think so. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how he votes going forward. All right. Well, that's well, we, what we've got. We got more to talk about with 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 Rich. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll be back with that next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. God see bless. You.